Hello everyone, this is Terry Hill and this is the first episode of Connect and Listen. And today I have Miss Claire Fountain here with us to talk about her work uh, with Wake County EMS and also her work on a critical care transport truck. So Claire, if you'd like to go ahead and introduce yourself. Hey, my name is Claire. And uh, I know Terry from the yoga studio. I'm a yogi, and that's how we connected originally. So, yeah. All right. Well, I guess first question or first thing we'll get into is if you can just tell us how you got into this line of work. Were, were you thinking about uh, doing this line of work as a little girl, and that's what you want to do when you grow up? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. um, well... I originally started college with the intention of being a photographer, so had nothing to do with medicine whatsoever. Um, I got into some really good photography schools, and then um, I got interested in medicine, and my dad's a chiropractor and grew up around like doctors and, and people like that, and I just sort of started to take an interest. Um, what really got me hooked was I took a wilderness... Um, EMT program in Lander, Wyoming. So it's urban EMT, but with wilderness medicine together. And it just skyrocketed from there. I just fell in love and um, wanted to continue continue on. So, yeah. Okay. All right. So was there any type of special training, education you had to go through, certifications? Yeah. I had to be an EMT first. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a paramedic now. An EMT is usually a semester program. Um, basic life support, you can give a few medicines, um, you know, you're, tr you're helping to triage patients, you're giving them oxygen, you're surveying the scene, getting patients in and out. It's very kind of basic, but usually a, um, there's an EMT and a paramedic on, it, on a truck, yeah. on a 911 truck. Okay. So um, we did that. I, you have to be an EMT before you can become a paramedic. Okay. And then paramedic school is usually two years. Um, similar to the amount of time that you go to through a nursing program okay. and um, yeah you have to go through a very intense cardiology training um, a lot of pharmacology um, not all paramedic programs are associates degrees some are just like mm -hmm. a certificate okay um, but mine mine is actually just a certificate but that's okay. changing here actually this year there's gonna be a new requirement that all paramedics oh. have to have an associates degree okay yeah all right yeah. interesting so I know you probably work like all different hours of the day and because this, this type of work is needed 24-7, right? Mm -hmm. So can you kind of take us through like what your schedule usually is, some type of rotation and, and also like what is, what's kind of a typical day okay. for you? Um, regardless of if I'm working for critical care transport or for 911, we, you know, we go to the station get our coffee, say hi to our bosses if they're there. Um, we check off the truck. We go through all the cabinets, make sure we have all the supplies that we need. We have to make sure we have all the narcotics that we need. And in doing mm -hmm. so, we have to, um, there's a lot of regulations with narcotics and opioids, as you can imagine. So we have like paperwork to do in association with that. Um, we make sure our radios work, the truck is working. Um, it's just, that takes anywhere between 15 minutes to a half an hour. Okay. Depending on, um, you know, if people before you stocked your truck or not. Right, right. <laughs> Depends on your coworkers. Right. Yeah, leave um, it for the next person. Right, right. exactly. Because yeah. lots of people leave stuff for other people and don't take care of things. 
I'm very clean. I always wipe down the ambulance top to bottom every time I start. Um, lots of germs, you know. Mm-hmm. So I do that. And then we're ready to go in service. Um, when you're in service on a 911 truck, um, you have a little radio that will um, like alarm when you get a call or a little like beeper kind of thing. And then mm-hmm. you also have a radio that you can talk to dispatch mm-hmm. on, on your person and on the truck. So you have those on you as well. Okay. Yeah. So to drive the truck, did you have to go through any special yes. training for that? Yeah. It's called, okay. um, different places have different things, but the one I did was called EVOC. I don't even remember what it stands for anymore, okay. but it's like a little um, driving course. You know, you got to go through cones and know how to parallel park the ambulance and go backwards through the hmm. cones. And um, driving a truck not with lights and sirens is kind of a special deal, right? You know, because you can kind of disobey all the rules of the road. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Which is fun, but it's also extraordinarily dangerous. Right, right. So, you know, if you are if you have lights and sirens on, you're going code three lights and sirens, and you, you do need to stop at an intersection, you got to check everywhere, make sure cars know that you're there, mm-hmm. and keep on going. So that's actually takes quite a bit of time, I think, to be good at it. Some right. people are drive a little haphazardly in that right. <laughs> in that moment right yeah so do you ever hire people just to drive the truck because I, I love driving do you and yeah my dad <laughs> my dad was a long distance truck driver hmm. and so I grew up with you know around big trucks and you right. know my dad always had a truck and I've had trucks and I yeah I just I you love probably that. love to drive right. 911 then yeah. Let, yeah. Uh, you have to be an EMT right oh yeah. man yeah. okay yeah all right just, so, just everybody right. has to be the basic level of an EMT yeah Back in the okay. day, that was not the case, but now. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm assuming, and, and I, I'm sure there there are probably some pretty tragic things that you come across. Yep. Um, how how do you deal with with those situations and taking care of your yourself after after those types of events? Um, that's a really good question. Um, burnout is big mm-hmm. working, whether you're an ER nurse, whether you're a paramedic, whether you're a firefighter or a cop. I mean, I think that anytime you're dealing with the public in really stressful moments, it's just stressful. Right. Right. It's hard for you. It, um, for me, um, I, I'm a yogi. I mm-hmm. did yoga before this all came along and I think it's really kept me sane. It's for my mental health. Actually, that's how I got into yoga originally as I was having kind of a dark moment in my life and um, I decided to like clean up my life and train for a marathon. And so yoga was my counter workout to running Mm -hmm. and they go very well together. Um, So yoga, yoga is huge. Whether I just do five minutes at home by myself and just take some time, do a sun A, whatever, um, or go to a class. I don't always have time to carve out a class, but um, I'd also say I, you know, we work 12 hour shifts or 24 hour shifts mm-hmm. usually on the ambulance. Um, that doesn't really leave a lot of time when you're on to, to sleep or to eat right. or all that. Right. So I make my own food. I, you know, I make lunches. I try and do all those things to take care mm-hmm. of myself. Um, also this sort of sounds callous, but it's not, it's, um, it's their emergency. Uh-huh. The people that you're caring for, uh-huh. not yours. So right. I think you have to have a healthy emotional distancing about what you're dealing with. Right. Um, right. That being said, um, you know, you see some pretty crazy stuff and you see people at their worst and in, their, mm-hmm. in pain. And um, 
Wake County actually has a psychologist on staff 24-7 for us if we want to call her and talk. Okay. And we have peer support teams and, um, you know, right. yeah. So we've had a rough call. Wow. We have a lot of networking within the organization to help support Good. us. Good. Yeah, yeah, I imagine that's very, that's that's probably very critical to have, have that. Um, so do you, have you experienced people coming into your profession and just kind of quickly realizing this isn't for me? Is yeah, definitely. Pretty common. Pretty common. Yeah. I mean, I would say with the world getting busier and the way medicine is and healthcare, mm -hmm. that's a whole other thing we could dive into another time. But the average medic, so medics really started in like the 70s, really big. Um, so it's not that old of a career. Mm -hmm. um, there's a large burnout rate. I would say the average medic doesn't last longer than five years. Wow. Yeah, big burnout yeah. rate. Um, the goal is to have a lot of mental health resources like I talked mm -hmm. about. Wake County has that for us and the fire department and the police. So she's not just for um, ambulances. She's right. for all emergency services. Um, I mean, blood and guts and yeah. poop and pee and bodily wow. fluids and all that stuff isn't for everybody. Right. Right? right. Yeah. So I think you need to know, are you that kind of person to begin with? And mm -hmm. then if the answer is no, then you probably don't even want to continue. Right. Don't pass go. Right. Don't put $200. <laughs> don't think that this is going to be the thing for you. Um, right. Yeah, there's plenty of people that burn out. Um, I've been doing, let's see, I've been a medic for six years, and I've been an EMT since 2009. Okay. So, um, wow. yeah. yeah. I'm okay. actually... <laughs> lasted longer than the average yeah yeah good mm -hmm. good yeah well I would imagine too that um, part of it could be personality as well because um, I'm remembering a situation we had at the studio where uh, a person had fainted yeah and it just happened you were in that class I remember and I think we had two physicians we in the did. class yep, as we well mm -hmm. I remember that very and well and thinking back on that experience, it was really interesting to see how what your response was compared to the physician's responses. And and they were there and helpful, but it was very obvious you were the person in control of that situation, <laughs> yeah, right? Right. And and it wasn't done like you were elbowing people out of the way. No. It was just it was just very obvious who was in control of that. And, right. Uh, so I'm I'm sure that's just probably part of who you are. I would um, say so, yeah. Yeah, so it seems like you're a good match for, for the work, or your personality is a good match for the work that that you're doing. Yeah. Um, yeah, so have you had other experiences like, like that? Like that? Yeah, or? absolutely. Um, silly things, like I guess you asked me about younger stuff, mm -hmm. like uh, we had two dogs, we had a schnauzer and a poodle growing up, and they got into some burrs, you know, that like mm -hmm. dug into their skin. And we were like, we were in the middle of like a camping trip or something. Okay. And um, I performed, quote unquote, as my dad says, surgery on them. I took oh. tweezers and cleaned them out and stitched them up. And wow. he did, just always said that I was like cool about it and didn't right. get flustered or um, whatever. And I've always enjoyed that kind of thing and first aid stuff. And so um, I, I forget that I that I'm a very dynamic type A type mm -hmm. of person because mm -hmm. I just am what I am. I'm extraordinarily right. bubbly, very outgoing. But I, um, there's also a lot of introverts that work at our job, which surprises hmm. me. Yeah. You would think that um, just, you know, takes all types on that. But 
Um, yeah, just always. Right. I mean, I, he, he, this is why I like my job. Mm-hmm. I like to bring calm to the chaos. Okay. I like to bring order. I like to have ideas. I like to problem solve. And I think that's why I fit. That makes sense? Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. absolutely. Well, and speaking of types of people, um, I, I would assume it's assumption that there probably aren't as many women in this group. Yep. Um, can you talk some about your experiences uh, in entering the profession and now um, just as a woman doing this type of work? Yeah, um, you're the boys club for sure. Okay. Um, yeah. So I can definitely crack some dirty jokes. <laughs> <laughs> if you want me to go right. there, we can go there. I'm used to hanging out with men. I, I'm used to having right. a lot of male friends and I'm very used to holding my own. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and also if things cross the line, I, I have had some not cool things happen to me. I'm not going to lie. Right. Um, in paramedic school, I was the only female, absolutely hmm. the only female in a very bro kind of fratty environment. And it was really hard. I definitely went home in tears a few wow. times. And there was one incident that um, they singled me out and the administrator of the school had to get involved and hmm. put a stop to it. It was pretty awful actually. Wow. Um, so I really learned some thick skin and I learned how to stand up for myself and it's hard. I mean, now it's a little bit different. There are more females entering mm-hmm. the career. Um, I think that the men see us more as equals than maybe they did five, 10, 20, 30 years ago. Right. Um, because we've proven ourselves and you know, there are definitely situations medically where it's nice to have a female. Right. Female patients, pregnancy, um, rape, or any sort of mm-hmm. abuse issues that can possibly involve a female. I right. mean, um, hmm. there's good situations to have us there as well, yeah. beyond the fact that we're very capable of the job. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, um, another question for you. So, when it comes to, um, you know, professions, is with uh, the handling emergency situations, police, fire, for example, sheriff. So it seems like those um, those professions get a lot of of the glory and glamour, and you know <laughs> yeah, they, they do. and they have the they have the uh, the calendars and and all that stuff. They do. But you know, I guess if you take a, a look at it, um, like you guys are the ones who are like there saving people's lives. Like you're. First on the scene, you're you're taking care of stuff. Right. Um, what what's what's why is the difference or there? What what causes that divide? Is it because mainly people just see fire and police a lot more and that's yeah, a good, that's a really actually yeah. fantastic question. Yeah. I'm really glad you brought that up. I didn't even think about that when we were t- talking about having this discussion. Um, I think it's a really complicated answer to answer yeah. your question. <laughs> um, in the media, I would say right now, cops can have the bad rep. They're the ones that get a lot of media scrutiny, which in, in lots of times mm-hmm. is is well-deserved because mm-hmm. they've done some things that are not okay. But on the flip side, there's plenty of good cops that we need. We need their protection. We need right. them. So it's, it's good that we're aware of some of the bad things that they're doing, especially mm-hmm. racially profiling people and not treating people fairly. That's good. Right. But on the flip side, we do need them. You know what I mean? So they have a little bit of a bad rap right now, and it's, it's a double-edged sword. 
I would say the fire department is the darlings of EMS. The absolute, mm-hmm. I mean, who doesn't love a firefighter? Right. You know, they're supposed to be good looking, kind of have this hero complex. Like, think of strong, FDNY. Strong. Right. Six packs Six and all pack. that. Six <laughs> pack, yeah. I mean, they're this sort of epitome. And FDNY are gods in yeah. New York. Gods, like, revered. And they're wonderful, and we need them. Um... EMS kind of came later to the scene, you know, it isn't as old of a career or as a, you know, because they were originally um, mortuary vehicles that, mm. like, oh, well, let's throw them in the back. It's a good place to, tra- we're going to transport right. them. And we haven't been around as long, number one. And also, there's not a federal mandate that we have to exist. Does that make sense? Right. So, we have decided as a country that we're going to put tax dollars aside for fire and police hmm. okay there right. is no such thing for us ambulance medical that doesn't okay. exist mm-hmm. so it depends on where you live Durham County most of the time in North Carolina it's a county-based system that your mm-hmm. tax dollars do pay other places um, they contract out with other agencies sometimes the fire department some does some of it sometimes it's a private service so um, there's that okay I think until we decide that we absolutely as a country want this to be part of our mandate that will change um interesting mm-hmm. also when you call 911 depending on the call fire may show up they may not and police may show up they may not but we always if it's medical we always mm-hmm. show up so also in regards to that in, if you call 911 for medical you need the ambulance to transport you the fire department right. is there for fire but they're ending up doing a lot of medical. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So FDNY is a really good example. I, I'm going to misquote some things here, the exact numbers, but they, they did a survey a few years ago about um, if, you know, ambulance, fire, and police. And they their recommendation, this third-party company, was to down the amount of engines that they had and to put more money into ambulances because the need for the public is medical. Mm-hmm. It's bigger than fire. They're not buildings aren't burning down the way they were in the eighteen hundreds. Right. So there's this sort of like power struggle um, within you know emergency medical services. Like we need more funding and more for medical. Right. Less fire engines. I hate yeah. to be the bearer of bad news, but it's political suicide to say to the fire department, we need less of you. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 absolutely. So that makes sense because uh, I often see uh, around, even around Durham, an ambulance that it seems like it's some private company that's running it or something. It's not a, it's not like a Durham County right. truck or a neighboring county. There's some company name on it, and it's like medical transport or. They're something. probably doing interfacility transports, which is okay. different than nine one one. I can go into that if you want okay. me to. I don't have to. All right. Sure. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So. If grandma yeah. falls and breaks her hip mm-hmm. and she can no longer walk but she's discharged from the hospital and she needs to go to a skilled nursing facility for rehab, that ambulance will pick her up and take her to rehab. I see. Not okay. 911. Okay. So there is a need for non 911 based transport. Does that make sense? Right, yeah. 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 Okay. okay. All right. Very interesting. Well, I know here in Durham County, so we have the EMS department here. We do. And one thing I've always found fascinating with them is about how they position their trucks around the county. So they'll they'll use their data uh, from the calls they receive yeah. to 
and, and maybe other counties do this as well, but their, their, their department within Durham County is used kind of as a model for our managing for results. So this is a whole other thing in oh, county government. Oh, for your work? Yeah, so, oh. so each department, we, we operate under a managing for results model. So it's really performance-based budgeting, those kinds of things. So, okay. uh, so EMS was kind of the uh, flagship department for um, how they utilize their results to uh, essentially to ask for their budget. And, and they would get you know additional trucks or more staff and those kinds of things, but cool. they were really efficient in and cutting down their response time, you know, and seeing, you know, kind of where the pockets are around Durham, where they get a lot of calls, making sure they always have trucks available nearby so they can they can respond quickly. So, um, yeah, just here in Durham, I've always thought that was that was really interesting how they how they do that. Mm -hmm. That's here. a pretty common thing. Yeah. Um, there's also software that exists to help mm -hmm. you kind of even predict where calls are going to be, or okay. you're looking at like modeling of the area growing and you're thinking oh wow we're gonna need a new truck for that area because that has a lot new a bigger home developing right. or whatever right. so yeah okay so over say the course of a year do you see patterns as far as the types of calls that you receive like in the summer like when more people are out i'm sure there's all kinds of crazy stuff going yeah on from someone getting stabbed with a knife and cutting the watermelon to whatever <laughs> yeah, or burning themselves true. on the grill anything yeah, uh, yeah so can you talk some about sure those patterns um well right now we're in the flu season and this is 2020 is also COVID-19 mm -hmm. madness that is happening definitely flu season right um dispatch kind of changes the way they ask questions during the flu season to give you a high indication that this patient may or may not have the flu okay they just kind of up their ante a little bit so definitely lots of flu, definitely lots of sepsis, definitely lots of like respiratory illnesses during mm. the winter. Um, you kind of see that less in the summertime. Summertime is definitely more like, you know, 4th of July, someone blows something up and they have to go to the burn center. Um, <laughs> it's not funny, but it's it is. It is, it's not, but it is, it's still funny. Um, oh, what else? Definitely more traumas in the summertime, like car accidents, people mm -hmm. running into things. People are kind of out and about more in the summertime. Right. Um, you don't really tend to see any like severe respiratory illnesses during summertime either. Right. Um, what else? I would say call volume kind of changes like different times of the year too. Mm -hmm. Like, are students in session or are they not? Like, is the population of the area kind of changed by students or? or not or vacations right. or you know Durham like 4th of July isn't like the hugest you know you know not everybody comes here for 4th of July right. so it's kind of quieter right. than like I don't know maybe Asheville right because right. everybody wants to go to Asheville for 4th of July right. or the so, beach or, or the beach like, or something yeah. yeah um so you just kind of notice those kind of patterns do affect you um yeah student population is big mm. okay. as like for any town for any reason right right yeah yeah college towns and all that goes along yeah with that big money right. maker yeah. <laughs> yeah. um yeah. oh monday is by far the busiest day mondays in the er either sunday night if you say you work sunday night shift mm -hmm. or like into monday the er is slammed on monday people either have been putting off going to the er or calling 911 the whole weekend with an illness that they uh, are right. kind of in denial about and they're like well i don't really want to go to work uh, <laughs> i'm sick right. and they're going to call 911 or go to the emergency oh, room oh this hurts oh wow mondays Man. mondays okay that's yeah. 
That is that is interesting. Yeah. Wow. Um, so of course you you take care of people, I guess from from the cradle to grave, I guess as they say. That's a term. Um, yeah. Um, what's about the average age of if you had to generalize of, of people who who are calling <laughs> for your services? Older. Older. Yeah, yeah. older people. Um, a lot of skilled nursing facilities, people fall a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have, if you're older and you have like a congestive heart failure issues, chest pain, respiratory issues, um, younger people get into more traumas. You know, mm-hmm. like young men tend to blow things right. up and get hurt more than young women. It's just a right. fact. I'm not even trying to be right. mean. <laughs> just right. jumping off stuff. Then... Jumping off stuff. Getting yeah. bit by. They really like to get bit by. Uh, snakes too. Oh, Women, uh, I can never get that would be snakes. me. No? Mm-hmm. You don't like snakes? No way. There's a snake around, Terry's not. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, older, a lot of older people. And yeah, we get a lo- we don't get a lot of pediatrics. Kids mm-hmm. are pretty healthy unless they have like congenital weird defects and or, you know, kids get sick too, but they're right. pretty resilient little boogerheads. So right. um, we don't get a ton of children. But when we do, it's everyone's kind of on edge because we don't see a see them a lot and b nobody wants everybody wants to take really good care of little ones so i think everyone kind of ups their game when it comes to taking care of kids cool yeah all right if uh if you had to make some suggestions for people like if if let's say there's a group of people somewhere and someone gets hurt or someone faints or something and need some medical attention, um, what are some things that people could do that would be helpful for you until you get there? Oh, that's a great question. Um, hmm. I would say, like, telling, like, kind of getting the story straight, you know, were mm-hmm. they dizzy? For, let's say they fell. Let's say, were they dizzy before they fell, or did they just trip on a rug and fall? Um, you know, medical history is actually pertinent for things like mm-hmm. that. You know, do they take blood thinners? If someone's taking blood thinners and they do happen to fall or get in a car accident, you're at a higher likelihood for bleeding, right? right. Um, also, if you are kind of a person that takes a lot of medications, have a list of medications either in your purse or on your refrigerator. Mm-hmm. Um, if you do have a DNR, which means, you know, do not resuscitate order, mm-hmm. have that on your person or on your refrigerator, just good access um, for all that, mm-hmm. um, you know, you can do some basic first aid if you so choose, you know, like if they're bleeding, put a, a, a thing on them. If they've, you know, almost fainted right. at a yoga studio, take them out of the heat. You guys already right. know how to do that. Right. Um, and just kind of put their legs up and cool them down. Um, yeah, I mean, let's be real. Right. If someone was to get hurt when I'm not on duty, I don't have right. all my things. So... Right. I can do things, I can ask questions, I can do basic stuff, but I'm not as useful without my tools. Right, right. right. So. Yeah. so I know, because um, I, I have to get like CPR certified for mm-hmm. personal training and that kind of stuff, and then plus we require it for our teachers at the studio nice. as well. Um, but some people who I'm in class with and when I do that recertification, like one of their biggest fears is they're gonna be the person there when something happens. and. Mm. And of course, people kind of freeze, and unless they're like you, and like they're ready to jump in action. <laughs> yeah. Um, and even even someone being motivated to just run and call nine one one, like some people just like they just freeze, and that's just kind of a 
a normal um, normal reaction. And I know there's also fear of people saying, well, you know, I don't want to do anything because I might get sued if I cause more harm. Mm, can you talk mm-hmm. some more about, about yeah. that? I can actually answer those questions very yeah. well. There's something called a Good Samaritan Law mm-hmm. um, that protects people in acting. If they, so say they did hurt somebody, but they're, they're making this assumption that you're acting in good faith, that you're not there to cause harm. Right. So legally speaking, the Good Samaritan Law does protect people if they accidentally caused harm, even though they were trying to help. Right. So they're good there, legally speaking. Um, everybody has a different stress response. You know, like you said, some people like freeze, some people jump on it. Um, I, I think taking a deep breath, trying to be as present as possible, um, and realizing that, you know, let's say they do go into cardiac mm-hmm. arrest in front of them. This sounds, they're, they're gone, they're no longer alive at this moment. So the only thing you could possibly do is help by doing something. Right. Even if you don't get the, the rate of the compressions right, or even if like, you know, you get a little bit ups- confused or whatever, like doing mm-hmm. something and kind of going into your automatic mode. And that's why they have you actually do just the CPR now and not the right. breathing because people are getting confused and right. um, so just to CPR. Um, and, you know, if you need to take a break, if it's too much for you and there's other people around, you always can tap out, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. You need to take care of yourself. Hey, this is too much for me. I'm not good at this sort of thing. I'll go grab myself when I'm calling 911 if you guys want to do the thing. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah, because there's, uh, I've never had to perform CPR myself, but I know in the, you know, again, in the classes I've taken and they talk about experiences with people's ribs breaking and those kinds of things. And yeah, it happens. Yeah. Yeah. It does. Yeah. Wow. Just kind (laughs) of have to deal with it. Right. And you know, even when a code goes out on the radio, if you get dispatched, that's what they call Mm -hmm. it. A code of cardiac arrest is a, is a code response and you get all the people, you get the fire department, you get two ambulances, you get all the resources you could possibly get. Mm -hmm. Everybody kind of gets a little bit overly sometimes excited too, even us. And I've had to remind myself to breathe and that the, you know, the only thing I can do is actually bring them back. You know, that I have this, I have this moment to bring them back and, um, you get what I mean? Like just breathing and just saying, Hey, all I can do is something good. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But if it does, then I've brought them back. Right. Right. Yeah. Wow. So you mentioned also working on the critical care truck. Yeah. Uh, kind of how does that differ from from being on the on the ambulance? Yeah. Um, critical care or CCT is the mm-hmm. abbreviation is um, owned by the hospital. Okay. So we go to other hospitals and pick up patients and bring them back to our either the flagship hospital or a lower level you so example i work for rex mm-hmm. and rex and unc are kind of united right um so we go pick up patients in lenore and um jacksonville and um halifax and granville and all these kind of places outlying hospitals that don't have cardiac mm-hmm. capabilities or gi capabilities they're kind of just local community hospitals right that can't handle this really sick patient. So sometimes they're on a respirator. So we're having, you know, a machine that breathes for them. So mm-hmm. we have to manage that machine. Lots of times they're on lots of medication drips, mm. either for um, 
keeping them sedated or um, keeping their blood pressure in the right range right. or all these different kinds of things. So it's like a mobile ICU that is going to you at this lower lying hospital and bringing you back. We have a lot of drugs. We are like, we're, we're an ICU. Right. Um, so that's just kind of a very different thing than 911. Mm -hmm. We don't go on any 911 calls whatsoever. Um, we are completely like managed by the hospital about who we're picking up. Right. Okay. Yeah. All right. In those situations, do you deal any with the family members or is it just with hospital staff and you're getting the patient to transport them? Both. I mean, yeah. on both sides, we're dealing with people's families. So I think having good people skills and explaining things because people, hospitals are confusing. Mm -hmm. Medicine's confusing. There's a lot going on. Um, sometimes the family members don't have all the right information. So yeah, we do deal with their family members right. as well. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, yeah. If it, uh, say if it was a child, would the family be allowed to ride along with them in those situations? Absolutely. Or, yeah. yeah. We try and keep, um, little ones and parents together if best. Um, I will say this is a caveat. Sometimes this is both for 911 and for critical care. Sometimes the parent actually makes the child more anxious and upset depending on the parent's personality. This is not meant to be right. ugly or rude or anything. So if if that parent is making things worse, mm -hmm. we usually ask them not to be there if possible. But right. obviously we're going to respect the needs of the family and the wishes of the family. Right. right now, though, for the COVID thing, we're trying not to take family members on the truck with us. Right. Uh, yeah. To spread... Yeah, so they they can take themselves to the hospital in their own car or whatever, but um, yeah. Yeah, wow. So as as far as going forward, um, is there a need for more paramedics? Oh yeah, think? there's a huge yeah. shortage, huge national shortage. I mean, we need more just for Wake County for who I work mm -hmm. for. We don't have enough. We're not keeping them. We're not paying them enough, and there's a national shortage. Wow. Absolutely. I mean, I could, if, you know, say I wanted to go work for another agency in another state, I could probably get a big old signing bonus hmm. and work for them. I you know, just don't want to move to another state right now. But right. Um, paramedics are kind of going through a similar crisis that the nursing profession went through a bunch of years mm -hmm. ago. So nurses weren't getting paid and weren't getting respected, right? right. And now we yeah. all know that nurses get way better pay and have a lot more respect, which they deserve. Um, paramedicine is going through a similar kind of revolution in that we're moving from the certificate to the associate's degree, mm -hmm. um, which is good, but that means that they're going to have to start paying us more because look, if I want right. to go to nursing school, I could go two years, but I'll get paid way more right. than if I go to a paramedic school and I go in for two years. So like it's a cost analysis, like, you know, who am I, where do I want to be within right. the medical field? And I think it's until the pay matches that it's going to be a detriment people aren't going to want to be paramedics as much i right. think um and you need us do you, and do you see that um the change may be being driven more by city and county governments that may be establishing departments or or would that be coming more from or i don't know would hospitals start to have you know their their own paramedics that service their area or, or how how do you see that oh that's a really great question right now it's such a hodgepodge because yeah there are there's private there's county and then there's hospital based mm -hmm. right um 
I'm hoping it's going to kind of come from like more like a federal level, like okay. and or and the organizations that kind of manage paramedics and EMTs. Right. Like um, I'm hoping we decide that the third service is absolutely needed. You know, federally, not just locally. Right. Locally, Durham County has decided. We have a third service. That's what we call it if we're here as well. Fire, police, and medicine, right? Third service. Um, so I'm hoping it comes from there. I'm hoping it comes from the national associations. I'm hoping it comes from pressure to be like, yo, you need to pay us better. And right. we come to this field because we love it. But then we look at our nursing colleagues and they're mm-hmm. making more than us. It's a little disheartening. Um, and a lot of paramedics end up becoming nurses for money. For money, yeah. Right. And I'm faced with a similar quandary myself I love being a paramedic but I see my nursing friends and they wake way more than me right right is there a uh, like a national association yeah there's a there is a national association um, NREMT is the abbreviation for it Um, and there's a national registry like test for EMTs Mm -hmm. and paramedics Um, and there's also state it's like the it's like there is sort of an umbrella there, but then there's local agencies too. Like right. I also have to be state registered as a paramedic to work here. So okay. um, all the states need to get on the same page about how they manage that. And I think NREMT would be nice if they were the guides, to, the national organization were the guides. Right. Yeah. So. And as far as the, you know, if there was any lobbying or anything like that on the federal level, that organization would probably handle I hope so. Doing that. Yeah, yeah, I hope so. It's also going to yeah. take, you know, um, regular paramedics just advocating for their field. Right. You know, um, just like the, a lot of the nurses, or not the nurses, a lot of the teachers have done. Teachers are, you know, are mm-hmm. picketing and pushing for better legislation and more recognition and better pay, which they deserve. Um, right. Got to get organized. Yeah. Um, are, are paramedics in other parts of the country unionized? Yeah. They are. Um, North Carolina doesn't have a lot of unions, as you know. Right. That's a a thing. Um, Yeah, when I worked in California, I had a union. Okay. Um, They were awesome. Was the pay better? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. Mm -hmm. It was interesting. So I worked in the Bay Area, and um, the same company had the 911 contract for San Diego. Okay. And we had different unions. We had an awesome union. We got paid $10 more an hour than they did. Wow. So that... Yeah. can show you the power of um, somebody advocating for you. Yeah. 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 Now, compared to California, um, where have you seen the, the craziest things happen? <laughs> Compar- comparing North Carolina and, and California. Honestly, most people are the same. That same. Yeah, yeah. Most people are the same. You get the shootings and the stabbings mm-hmm. and everybody, you know, Southeast Raleigh, parts of Durham, right. you know. That happens. That happens in certain areas of San Jose too, mm-hmm. kind of the east side there. Um, you know, you get old people who fall and um, young people who blow up things like we already talked right, about. Right. Most people are pretty similar. I would say, however, when I first moved here, we seemed to have a bigger problem with opioid mm-hmm. epidemic stuff. And in California, we're kind of dealing more with meth, okay. which was sort of an interesting thing. But opioids have seemed to kind of dip down. Um, they've done a lot of community outreach stuff on that, so right. I'm not seeing as many overdoses as I was seeing when I first moved here. Yeah. Yeah, I know uh, for a while within the library profession, the big topic was um, administering Narcan. Mm-hmm. 
and there's some some library systems that are having their staff do that, especially some of the big city systems. Yeah. And um, yeah, I I don't I think that is totally out of our lane. I do too. Um, <laughs> I, I would not want to. Yeah, I wouldn't want to do that. Um, but I can't yeah, blame you. Yeah, there's 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 libraries that are having their staff do that, and and some of them are like they're all for it because you know their their mindset is I want to do whatever I can to help and. And some of the people who, unfortunately, you know, may be in a library and overdose, it's it's someone the staff member knows. You mm. know, they they mm-hmm. have a relationship with them, and um, and so they are willing to do what they can to help. But you got to draw the line somewhere. I agree. I um, think the in your lane thing is a good way to look at it. Yeah. 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 We can we can find things and refer people to things, and but no, we we shouldn't be shouldn't be doing that at all. Yeah. Wow. I agree. Well, this is a side note, but I sort of feel the same way about uh, guns and teachers. I don't really think that teachers should have guns. No. I don't think most teachers got into teaching to have guns in a classroom. No. That's personal opinion. Right. Whoever can disagree with me, but... Yeah, that is... is, That's a whole other episode (laughs) to do there. Yeah, because I'm sure my my teachers when I was growing up, probably some of them had guns in their vehicles. That was just where we lived. That was was just how it was. Right. It wasn't... But also then we didn't, there wasn't a need to have them in, in the school. So, yeah, that's, that's, another, that's another topic we can cover at some other point. Yeah. Um, so someone who, who is thinking about being a paramedic, what would your advice be? Um, I would do a ride-along. I would do mm-hmm. a ride-along. I would see if you, I mean, the reasons, the reasons why people become a paramedic is because they like to problem-solve. They don't like to be in an office. They like mm-hmm. to be out, and that is truly the best part of it, is that you're not in an office. You're in people's homes. You're in businesses. You're in, you know, you're in the world, you know, and you get to drive right. the truck, which yeah. is super fun. Right. And um, I would do a ride-along. I mean, the EMT class is only a semester. You can take it while you're in college, see mm-hmm. if it kind of jives with you. Um and I think most of the time people need to, to ride along if they're in an EMT program. I don't think they just let you just hang out on the ambulance right. anymore. Right. Um, I'd also think to yourself, again, do you like do you feel comfortable in extreme situations? Because your every day at work is everybody else's worst day. Mm, yeah. Can you handle wow. that? Right. Yeah. That is that's an interesting way to, to think about that is yeah, because you're not getting called until someone else has no other options. Right, right. right. Um, yeah. And, I mean, not to be super drama. Like, right. sometimes they're very just like, oh, you know, I stubbed my toe. Or you know, sometimes it's very mild stuff. It's not like Grey's Anatomy where the world just ends every episode. Right. But sometimes there's some really big stuff that happens. Yeah. So, yeah. And do you ever find you get calls from people who... Um, who may just need attention or wanting oh, yeah. attention. Oh yeah. And, Definitely. And are there repeat calls like that? Yeah. Yeah. We actually so in Wake County, I'm not sure how Durham County does it. Um I, we do have like repeat people that are on a care plan okay. that we have met with and kind of discussed like, hey, you know, you always go to Duke Raleigh because they know you, they know how to take care of your stuff. Lots of times there's substance issues, mental health issues, mm-hmm. homelessness issues. It's not just as simple as their medical stuff, and we all know that medical isn't just as simple as medical, right? There's right. a lot of other mitigating circumstances mm-hmm. to help you get your care. Um, if you're homeless, how are you 
where are you sleeping? How's your hygiene? How are you going to get your medications? Like, right. it's complicated. Um, so, yeah, there's definitely regulars that way. I would also say that there are people that just like the convenience of 911 and slightly abuse the system. Mm. Um, that they should think to themselves, I should probably get a primary care provider. That's um, right. Um, try and filter my most of my needs through that. You know, like if you're like, like your, you know, the surgery you went through, that had been bothering right. you for a while. You went to your doctor. You got a referral to a specialist, right. right? That took a while. Like, people don't always have primary care. And then to be fair, they don't always have access to primary care. They don't mm-hmm. have the, the needs, the funds, Medicaid, Medicare. Sometimes it's hard to find a primary care provider. Yeah. You know, through right. those lower income issues. And that's real. That's just real. Right. Yeah, because just, just even if you have insurance, sometimes just the office visit. The, the copay sometimes could be off-putting for some people. Exactly. And then if you don't have that, then, you know, who knows how much that would that would be. Right. Um, and you don't have to have a copay for the emergency room. Right. You know, they'll accept anybody. And that's great when you need it. But then again, the ER is not really the primary place you should be getting your everyday care. Right. That's for emergencies. That's for chest pain, severe bleeding. The list goes on. Yeah. yeah. So. And kind of the same, I think, for urgent care. Yep. locations as well yeah and urgent well, care is a great option if you are having an issue that you can't get in to see your primary care for um, say you're having some hypertension medication mm-hmm. issues or whatever you can go to urgent care maybe they can help you um, urgent care can do a lot though uh, okay a fair amount but I would say if you if you really need to go to the emergency room do it right yeah yeah, yeah. worse yeah it's better to go and not need it yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely Cool. Absolutely. So, um, what was okay. I going to say? Oh, I was going to make, well, I, you, you, you yeah. asked me on your text, like things, like common assumptions or whatever mm-hmm. about ambulances. There's right. sort of this common assumption that if you call 911, an ambulance picks you up and takes you to the hospital that you're going to get seen quicker. Mm. That is true, but not true. It is true if you are having a stroke, mm-hmm. a heart attack, or a major trauma. Besides that, that is not true whatsoever. Interesting. You yeah. will get triage just like every other patient that has come into that hospital. And I take patients right. fairly often into the waiting room. Hmm. So, so they so they might get to the hospital faster or they're not gonna get seen faster. Not necessarily. Right? No, wow. they're gonna get treated just like everybody else. Yeah, well that that makes sense. Right? Yeah. Which is Interesting. good. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You don't just get to come to the front of the line because you took me. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Unless again you have a big right. Some deal. Yeah. Yeah. At that moment. Wow. Yeah, I could I could see where people would have that assumption. They do. They could, <laughs> I'll call nine one one and get in. I'll be in and out of there an hour. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, well, good luck with that. Yeah. <laughs> I'll do wow. the best I can. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So any other things you have you want to uh, share? What was I going to say? Oh, I was also going to say, um, so let's start to talk about like mental health and mm-hmm. like substance abuse. I would say that the emergency room is usually not the best place for that unless there's a medical component going along with that, like uh, an overdose because you wanted to commit suicide. Granted, you needed you need to address the pills that you took first, right? And then they can address the mental health aspects and right. or get you a mental health facility. But if it's truly like severe depression, 
you know, trying to get a hold of an addiction. There are, there's, you know, lots of resources within the county that can help you. Um, there's a place in Wake County called Healing Transitions that mm-hmm. is like a live-in place for men. They have a man, men's facility and a women's facility with um, substance abuse issues. Okay. And you go there, they can do um, some kind of detox, and you're fully enrolled in the program mm. and like live there and work there and do the 12 steps and the whole thing. Right. Um, I've, if you are, you know, I, if you... Mental health in the ER is if you're it's it's hard place to be. Right. There's a lot of sick people around mm-hmm. you, and um, they have a lot of kind of bigger fish to fry. So, there's um, you know, Durham County, the county itself has mental and behavioral health centers. Mm-hmm. Most counties do. Yeah. So, right. um, does that make sense? Yeah. 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 So, is there usually someone in an ER that say if someone walks in and they say you know that they they're thinking about committing suicide or, you know, just having a, a really tough situation. Is there someone there who could then refer them to those services at that point? Yes. Usually? Yes. So either they will, if they'll do an evaluation, um, a doctor and a social worker and, and kind of a mm-hmm. few different people and say, is this, do I need to put you on a psych hold, like a okay. legal psych hold? Does that make sense? Right. If they don't think you hit the requirements for the hold, and that's essentially like determined by a judge. Um, doctors can forward the paperwork to the judge, the magistrate, mm-hmm. and say, yes, this person needs to be on a hold. So if they get put on a hold, they have to stay in the emergency room and or go to a psych facility until they have dealt with the emergent issue. And then that person will continue to get care through social work and okay. counselors and doctors and stuff. If they think you're not an emergent, like, need to be put on a psych hold from the emergency room, mm-hmm. they will refer you out to counseling services, behavioral health stuff. Okay. Yeah. Um, but if they think you're an imminent danger to yourself and or others, they right. will they will put a legal hold on you. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Okay. So, and they will have... Um, a sitter, like a, a person sit, mm-hmm. sit next to you in the ER in case you decide to hurt yourself or try and hurt somebody else. Right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that's good that, that there's, you know, that's in place mm-hmm. for, for people. Mm-hmm. Um, going back to the truck, another truck. Yeah. Um, so in, I, I, you know, being out in traffic at times, I'll see, you know, if there's a truck coming through and the sirens and lights are on. And, you know, you're supposed to pull over to yield right, right away and everything. And you often see people who don't do that or maybe they don't hear it, give them the benefit of the doubt, whatever. Right. Um, I'm sure that's frustrating yes. for, for you. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, so what people can, you can get traffic violations for that, right? Oh, so yeah. do you ever see that yes. happen? That's, that's really gotta be satisfying. satisfying. Yeah. <laughs> Because every time you see something, there's never a cop or a state trooper around. But, yeah, that's got to be satisfying to it's, see that. Yeah, it happened to me once when a, per, a woman didn't pull over for us. And there happened to be a sheriff's officer who pulled her over. My partner and I saw it and we were like, oh, thank yeah, you, Jesus. Finally. finally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like that person you see always running the red light and there's never there's never around. No. And Good. people just need to be aware of their surroundings and pull over to the right Really, an ambulance, if you're at a stop light and you are stopped, an ambulance shouldn't keep their lights and sirens on and try and push you through the intersection to mm-hmm. get through. 
they should wait until the light is green. So you know if it's blocked up, you don't right. want to push people in the middle of an intersection and get into an accident. Right. So if you're stopped, and you can just hang out where you can, or you if you can kind of get into a different lane to let them go over. But in theory, pulling to the right is a good idea. Um, people just don't. I think people are really busy on their phones mm-hmm. and talking and texting and on the right. radio and or have their earbuds in. Either earbuds yeah, in, which I don't understand that I don't either. Think they, are you legally allowed to have? I don't. I don't think so. Okay. But I, I see that all the time. And people use those to talk on their phone oh, as yeah. well, which I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that is legal to do, but I see it quite often yeah. from people. Do you ever have people try to follow the truck? Yeah. Through red lights and yeah, everything. Yeah, mostly like concerned family members. Okay. So we tell them not to follow us directly behind because it's dangerous for them. Like, and <laughs> this is always something that people say that I think is really interesting. Um, you know, you see like an accident on the side of the road and everyone's like, oh, that looks really bad. But if the ambulance is just hanging out, mm-hmm. I, they're not very injured. Right. Even if the cars look scary, even if there's like a lot going on, if you're super sick, we will be out of there. Out. Yeah. Like, yeah. Wow. Even for like, if, if you're having chest pain and I see something on the monitor and I'm like, okay, let's go. We're not we're not dinking around here. We're not right. we're we're gonna boogie. Get out of there. So yeah. if you just see an ambulance chilling on the side of the road, they're probably okay. They're probably right. okay. They might be hurt a little bit. But right. No need to rubberneck. Just keep it going. Correct. <laughs> yes. Yes. Correct. Yeah. And, and cause another accident. Oh man, I know. Yeah. Driving me bonkers. Cool. <laughs> well, Do you have any other questions or thoughts or? No, I th- I think that that will wrap it up for us. Okay. Uh, I really appreciate your your time. This has all been really fascinating. I've learned a lot and Good. disappointed I can't come drive the truck. I know. But you'd have to become oh, an well. EMT, Terry. Yeah, well, you never know. You maybe, never know. Maybe one day, <laughs> yoga library, yoga studio to EMT. Who who knows? <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Well, All good. Right. Well, thank you again. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank and, you for having me. Yeah, and we'll find some other things to talk about soon. Sure, we can talk about teachers and guns next time if you want. There you go. All right. <laughs> thank awesome. you. Awesome. Thank you.